Bernie Amy with Leaders of Walmart, and I'm excited to have Ben Hassan with us today. Ben, first off, I want to thank you for joining us and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're going to give us some great insight today, so I'm actually going to hand the baton over to you. If you can tell us a little bit about yourself and the decisions you help make for the company. A little bit about myself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. <clears throat> um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm, an, I'm an inner city kid. I, I grew up in, the, in North Philadelphia in Philly. Um, you know, I had a couple starts and stops with, um, you know, college. I basically dropped out of college twice. I went on basketball scholarships, uh, one, um, first time to Idaho, <clears throat> the second time Temple University in Philly. And after the second dropout, I think it was about four years before I um, said, you know, um, I need to go back to school. So it's interesting what happens when you pay for things yourself. Um, I got really lucky early uh, on. I took a computer science class when people weren't thinking about computer science and fell in love with it. So um, I got an undergraduate degree from Temple and I packed up and left Philly, never moved back, uh, moved to Texas. I spent a year at the, my first company, uh, EDS. I moved on and worked for an oil and gas company in Dallas called Lone Star Gas for about 15 years, all in technology jobs. <clears throat> I got a phone call from a what at the time was a pretty small startup company called Dell Computers. And I went to work for Dell when it was about a $6 billion company. I spent 11 years at Dell, again, all in technology jobs. I got to travel the world, India, China, Taipei, Japan, um, Brazil. Um, and, um, you know, toward the tail end there, I got another interesting phone call from a friend of mine who was working at Walmart. And he said, um, Ben, there's a job that is perfect for you. And I said, ah, I'm fine doing what I'm doing. A year later, a recruiter called me, same job. And so I came, I interviewed, um, I spent my first seven years um, working in technology jobs. And um, Bernie, I will tell you, I was in my dream job when I got a phone call about the chief diversity officer job. And my first reaction was no, I'm a technologist. Um, but six years later, I'm still in the job. And I think at one of the most critical times in our country, um, this is a job um, that I think um, it was, I was actually born to do. So um, I'm really happy with the work we're doing. And you know, I love what I do every day. Wow. So Ben, you were a technologist for quite some time. I can't imagine dealing with software development, programming, data science, to now our chief officer of diversity and inclusion, which are two completely different fields. What was that transition like for you? It was, it was tough. Um, I, I, if I'm completely honest, <clears throat> I didn't want to take the job. Um, I, I was I was really happy what I was doing. I had a really big job. And sometimes, you know, if we're honest about our career aspirations, um, we spend most of our time focused on ourselves. How can I advance? How can I get more responsibility? How can I make more money? And uh, this was an opportunity to help others. And so um, I spent a lot of time uh, learning. Um, I spent a lot of time benchmarking with other people who are in similar jobs. But I also recognize, and one of, the things Doug, one of the things Doug said to me when I said, Doug, why do you want me to take this job? He said, Ben, I said, why won't you hire a traditional practitioner, someone who's done this? 
And he looked at me, he said, Ben, if traditional practitioners of the work had it all figured out, we wouldn't still be having the same discussions 30 years later. So he said, turn the problem upside down, look at it differently, use your technology background to look at it from a system standpoint and look at it as a complete system. And what is it about the system that we need to change in order to make progress? So um, it was tough, it was hard, but um, most times things that come to you that work out, um, they work out because you had to put the time and effort into doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben, just hearing how, just hearing your story of how you had to shift from one role to a completely different role and hearing how you had to adapt to continue your success story is so relevant to what a, a lot of our associates are facing today in the work environment. And honestly, I think in order for us as an organization and individually to be different, in order for us to be that catalyst for change, sometimes we have to do something different. So I think it's so important that we highlight that sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone can definitely lead us to our growth zone. Which leads me to ask you, Ben, during your career, you were recognized. What did you do in your career to stand out from others? What made Doug McMillan and his team and the HR team say, Ben Hassan, that's the guy we want. You know, I, I, I spent a lot, a lot of time thinking about that. I, I spent 33 years as a technologist wow. and six years in this current role. It'll be six years in January. So almost 39, almost 40 years in corporate America. But I started late. I told you I dropped out of college twice. Yeah. And so one of the things I figured out early on when I joined corporate America is that every manager has more problems then they actually have the time personally or the people to actually solve. And so I focused on being excellent in the work that I had, but also looking for opportunities to help problems that to help solve problems that managers were dealing with. So I would seek out the problem that no one else wanted to re- solve or work on. And I would volunteer and I'd say, hey, I'll work on that in addition to my job. And what it began to do for me was develop a reputation of someone who could actually solve problems. And here's what I'll tell you about every manager. They love people who can solve problems for them. Yeah. I look back over my career when I got offered this job. uh, One of the problems I saw throughout my career, I mean, if you can imagine a guy who looks like me in tech 33, 30, 30, almost 40 years ago, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me. It wasn't a lot of people who could help me. And so as I began to move along in my career, I spent a lot of time mentoring. Um, At one point at Walmart, I probably had 15 or 20 different mentoring circles. And what I found out later, the head of HR was watching what I was doing. And she, along with my boss's boss, were the ones who said, hey, we think that Ben could actually do this job. Unbeknownst to me, they were watching me. And so one of the things I I would say to those out there who are trying to move their career along, People are always watching you and you never know who's watching you. Now, I found this out after the fact because I'm still friends with the lady who was the head of HR. And she told me, she said, hey, Ben, we were watching you. We saw what you were doing. And we said, hey, he, there's an opportunity here for him to do something different. They saw something in me that I didn't see it in myself. Yeah, for sure. And just Ben, on that topic, I want to highlight for our leaders that it's not what you do that makes stand, that makes you stand out. It's how you do it that makes you recognizable. 
And on that topic, then I also want to take a second and recognize what you and your team are doing and how you guys are making such a positive impact on us, on us, on us out in the field. You guys created this amazing platform called Race Ahead, where you guys are driving authentic dialogue on systemic inequities amongst African-Americans like myself and other people of color. Ben, can you go into details on the purpose behind the series and how can we utilize that education to be inclusive leaders? Yeah, I think um, it, was, it was one of the leaders on my team who came up with the idea. And, um, and he came up with the ac acronym, Raising Authentic Conversations on Equity. And um, here's our fundamental belief. Mm -hmm. um, to do this work properly and to really impact the company um, it starts in the field. Um, the real heroes of this company are those who get up and go in and get on the front line every day and deal with the pandemic and deal with our customers and service people in a way that they want to come back. And so we also believe that uh, conversations are the key to connectivity. That's how people connect with each other. And if we can begin to be respectful of one another, um, if we can begin to listen to one another, one of the things that my mother used to say to me all the time was, Ben, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. Um, how do we listen to each other, right? Really listen, not sit there formulating in our head uh, a response to what we heard, but really listen. We, you don't have to agree with everything that someone else says, but this notion of listening, it actually pulls us closer together. So so that's why we thought it was important. Um, we learned something four years ago with some of the social unrest in the country. People want to talk about what's going on. They don't check these issues at the front door when they walk in the door. Yeah. And giving them an opportunity in a respectful environment, uh, in an inclusive environment, uh, we think is one of the keys to us continuing to build the great company that we all um, have grown to love and work at. Absolutely, Ben. And I also think that it's safe to say that for those who don't, it's okay for those who don't understand racial inequity and everything that's been going on, because not everyone is exposed to it. And I also want to highlight that just based on what you said, in order for us to progress in, an or in our organization on every aspect of CD, uh, CDEI, we have to be transparent and we have to be authentic. But I also believe that we have to continue to develop our current leaders and to inclusive leaders and our next generation leaders like myself and to courageous inclusive leaders. But we also have to recognize our mistakes and our errors um, so we can continue to course correct. Which leads me to my next question. Ben, I've come to realize that some of our best leaders make mistakes, but it's those mistakes that stones our success stories like yourself. Can you tell us one mistake that you've made in the past and how did you learn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think back to my time when I was at Dell and I was getting some pretty direct feedback about my performance. And um, I didn't agree with it. And I, I fought the feedback. I argued about the feedback. And here's the interesting thing about not accepting feedback, particularly when it's from your boss. Um, at the end of the day, um, your boss needs to believe that you heard what they said and that you're actually going to address it. And, and when you debate and argue, 
when you tell them, well, here's why you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Even if you decide later to make a course correction and start to address some of the things, most human beings are not going to continue to come and tell you the same thing they've told you before, particularly in a, a management, uh, in a leader-employee uh, relationship. And so here's what I learned. Um, you don't necessarily have to agree, but if you have aspirations to move and grow, you need your boss in your corner. You need your boss speaking positively about you in the room when you're not in the room. And so your ability to listen, say thank you, put a plan together that will address the feedback and periodically go back and say, thank you so much for the feedback. Here's what you told me to do. Here's what I said I'm gonna do. Here's my progress. How am I, how am I doing? How am I making progress? Uh, it's, a, it's a critical skill set that quite frankly, early in my career, I did not have. I was much more willing to debate than I was to actually course correct. And so I would tell you that that's probably one of the biggest lessons that, um, that I ever um, learned in my life. And it cost me two years of getting promoted to vice president at Dell because I refused to actually accept the feedback and try to address it. Yeah, and I definitely think that's a set skill that uh, we all need to work on. Um, and, to, and to each his own, I think that owning our own mistakes is also a stepping stone in our own development. And I think just to your point, if we build that culture of accountability where we can own our mistakes, it can definitely produce you know, organizational success and results. Um, and then on that topic, we work in a high-performing culture, and we are consistently moving talent around. What advice can you give to someone who wants to promote to a leadership role? I would, um, I would say, uh, fundamentally, it's not all about you. And I mentioned this earlier. So many times, if we're honest, if we're truly honest about where we are as we're trying to navigate through corporate America, it's about... How do I get that next promotion? How do I actually make more money? How do I get more power? How do I get more um, people to listen to me? And if you notice, all four of those was I, 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 I. Yeah, for sure. Leadership is not about I. It's about those around you. How do you create an environment where you can lift up those around you? Because if you do, as a leader, you will rise as well. And so that would be my advice. What are you doing to help others? How are you making sure that people around you that may be failing on things that you know how to do, how do you share the knowledge in a way that we all rise together? That's what real leadership about is about. It's not about you. It's about the people you've been given this great responsibility and opportunity to lead and develop and grow. So that's what I would um, say to those who actually have that interest. Look in the mirror and ask, ask yourself, what have I done for others today? Absolutely. And you made some great points. And I also want to shine a light um, at the fact that sometimes, Ben, like you said, we have to identify our own opportunities. There is a quote that says, that goes, if you're persistent, then you will get it. But if you're consistent, you will keep it. And that just goes to say that once we get to that level that we want to be at, we have to continue to develop ourselves 
and those around us, because there will always be room to grow. Um, ben, as we continue to evolve with new initiatives and strategies, there will always be some form of challenge. What do you think is the biggest challenge for today's leaders and how can they, how can they overcome it? Yeah, I, I think we're living through a, a interesting and critical day and time. Uh, Bernie, I think 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, People will write books. They will sing songs about 2020 and COVID and the election and, and all, everything that's going on uh, in society today. The unemployment. Um, Walmart is a microcosm of the United States. What we're seeing in the United States is happening inside Walmart as well. And I think the biggest challenge is how do you lead in a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-gender, multi-faith, multi-belief environment. As an inclusive leader, that all of those things I mentioned, that's coming into our stores to shop, all of those things I mentioned actually work in our stores. And how do you lead in that environment? And because this is not a homogeneous, homogeneous environment anymore. We are, we are, our differences are our strengths. And how do we actually uh, leverage those strengths to move forward while there are also things that are so similar about us that we ignore. And so you got this, this um, almost bipolar um, situation. And as a leader, you gotta be able to manage it all. That's, sure. That is what I think is one of our biggest challenges as leaders. How do you find that balance? to bring everybody along together so that we can all be the best that we can be. Absolutely. And then the more we grow as a company, the more challenges we're going to face. And how we handle those challenges is going to determine the ending results. And in order for us to grow on a personal level, we need those obstacles to make us better because that is where, like you said, we identify our weaknesses and our strengths individually and holistically. Ben, I wish I could spend another 30 minutes with you, but unfortunately our time is up. But before we end it, thank you for your continuous leadership on educating us out in the field on the importance behind having a cultured workforce, a, a diverse workplace and an inclusive working environment. You and your team, you guys are putting in a lot of work to close that diversity gap socially and in our organization. But before we let you go, Ben, do you have any last words you would like to leave us with? Yeah, I do. A couple. Number one, um, so goes the people in the field, so goes this company. So I want to say thank you. Uh, I, I don't think the folks who work in our field and our stores and clubs and distribution centers and uh, fulfillment centers. I don't think you recognize how much we appreciate what you're doing out there every day. So I, I want to start by saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The second thing I'll, I'll leave you with is something I've been saying for the last month. Uh, we have an opportunity to listen more, uh, to lead more, and to continue to learn. So um, that that is my advice. Spend time listening to each other. Um, lead where you are. Even if you don't have the title of leader, you have the opportunity to lead. So lead where you are. And then last but not least is learn. There is a lot going on 
in the world today. And the interesting thing is, unlike when I was in school where you had to go to the library and know the Dewey Decimal System, some of y'all young folk can look that up. Today, you don't. You've got this. And this has more power than the first computers I worked on when I started some almost 40 years ago. So um, don't lose the opportunity to continue to learn. Um, and, and put 15 minutes aside a day um, or a week at least and say, I'm gonna spend 15 minutes learning something. Uh, it's a great opportunity. We live in, we're living in a great day and time. Take advantage of it. Absolutely phenomenal. All right, guys, you heard it. Thank you guys for tuning in in another episode of Leaders of Walmart. Stay safe. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Leaders of Walmart. To join in the conversation and meet some great leaders in our company, follow along in the workplace group, Leaders of Walmart. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.